Hey, it's Friday, and you are back at the Airport Minute, where every single day, Monday through Friday, we recount the 137 minutes of the greatest disaster movie, the granddaddy of them all, the 1970 Universal Pictures Airport, produced by Russ Hunter. My name is Jim O'Kane, and I am the host of TVDads.com. And I'm uh, host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv. And once again, we're joined by... uh, Wang Chi's best friend, uh, Josh Horowitz. Hi, uh, thanks co- uh, for having me again. Co-host of uh, Five Minutes of Trouble. Yeah, thanks for having me again. This is great. You Glad to be catch, here. You don't have to catch a beer bottle in this particular movie, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, we we do heartily recommend that you check out uh, Five Minutes of Trouble dot com, uh, where you can listen to all about the. Uh, great John Carpenter movie, Big Trouble in Little China, where they're going over it not one but five minutes at a time. Picture that. That's it's right. like it's like the Costco version of movies by minute uh, uh, podcasts. And they have an airport in that too. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> ah, but and and a better fight scene than the one. <laughs> they, they really didn't have any good fight scenes in the, in airport in the in the at least none that we've come across so far. A lot of verbal uh, fights though. Yeah, Some pretty good yeah, ones. Yeah, so uh, it's. Uh, I don't think we have anybody like Howard Hawksian, though. I don't think we have, like, uh, any... I don't know if you could call maybe Ada Quonset. I, she's mm. kind of feisty. She's crafty. She is. She's a little minx. Yeah. Almost, and I don't know about hard-boiled, necessarily, but yeah, she's she's quite a character. Uh, this, mm. you know, she, I, I would say of all the characters in the movie, maybe aside from Petroni, she's probably one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still of the opinion we've been discussing in uh, previous minutes, I'm still of the opinion that everything she says is a lie, and she's... <laughs> She's in cahoots. There's actually a giant uh, smuggling operation going on with uh, with several characters. With Judy Barton, who is uh, Harry Standish, the uh, the customs agent. I think she's smuggling horse into <laughs> into Italy, and uh, Harry's in on it so that he can get some money. And uh, Jesse Royce Landis was the feint to get uh, Helen Hayes back on her way uh, <laughs> to her quote unquote uh, meeting with her daughter. But well, that's. <laughs> That's all fan fiction, which you know. Once we get the once we get the other website set up with airportfanfic.com, that'll that'll be coming in the future. But uh, right now we're talking about minute fifty-five. We are fifty-five minutes into this movie. Wow, uh, <laughs> time flies. Time does. So, uh, and this particular one is called Eight Million to Pay for It. We are we're in a beautiful uh, another Petroni minute. So this is going to be mm. glorious, you know. Uh, Mel and uh, and Joe are are talking about how are they going to get the seven oh seven. Out of the snow, when this guy Captain Benson just buried it a little more into the into those little railroad ties that they put down. He looks French. I think his name is Captain Besson. Besson. <laughs> Benson. But he's yeah, he's not doing it. So uh, Joe's going to take over control of the plane, and Benson's like, "Ah, oh, no, you don't." So Mel drops the general manager badge on the table and says, "No, I'm going to take over this plane." <laughs> commandeering the plane because you're on my ground mm-hmm. uh and so uh he's going to hand over the keys to joe and let him drive a, 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 a an eight million dollar 707 out of the snowbank <laughs> now uh, you know they they mentioned kettering before all this happens so first off who is kettering is he somebody that was mentioned before i'm not he, sure if I'm he remember. wasn't he wasn't mentioned the, the chief pilot kettering is the one that is in charge of uh who gets to fly what plane. So he's the one that picks out that. Like, for example, Kettering, the chief pilot, was responsible for doing the um, the duty cycles for uh, Vern. And Vern had to t- check out Anson Harris mm. uh, for, his, uh, for his check ride. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, Kettering is the guy that's going to say whether or not Benson Benson's in charge of the aircraft until he, uh, you know, surrenders it to whoever else in TGA. Mm. But Mel's pulling rank and saying, you know, you've you've left basically a derelict plane on my runway and I'm taking over. Mm-hmm. Benson's happy because he's off the hook because any he really didn't damage the plane. He all he's done is stuck it in the snow, so he's yeah. he's kind of off the hook. So if anything gets wrecked now, it's. Uh, it's going to be Mel Bakersfeld who's going to be roasted over the coals. Yeah, they, they don't seem to think very long before they grab their hats and get up. They're, they're very happy to be leaving at that point. Not be yeah. yeah, now I'm just wondering if he needs witnesses. Well, I guess Joe, you know, I never said you could do that. <laughs> but I, what I'm trying to figure out is not only he's turning this over to Mel, but he's letting a guy from TWA drive a TGA. You know, it, it's mm. like, do they let people from Delta mm. fly American or Continental or whatever? I can't. I would think that he would turn it over to a TGA mechanic who uh, apparently doesn't know how to shovel out a plane. So, uh, uh, Is it definitely true that uh, Petroni works for TWA? Maybe he just got some swag. Yeah. <laughs> Where's some TWA swag? He actually, yeah, he actually washes cars out in the parking lot. <laughs> give, me that, give me that hat. I'll give you a cigar. Yeah, yeah maybe he's just mechanic of the month, and so that's yeah. his reward. Yeah. TWA fan club. You get to wear the TWA hat this week, Joe. <laughs> so so wait a minute now if he's supposed to be from twa and this is tga now now what sort of fictitious airline is tga supposed to be in real life did they ever mention that in the novel or anything like that or, or well, is it implied transglobal baby tga yeah transglobal is a mythical one that's based on both twa and continental they talk mm-hmm. about the uh uh the golden argosy and uh, there's Golden Jet Service was what uh, Continental had at the same time. So mm. like that old golden idea seems to be lifted there to be put in a TGA. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've had conversations with Brett, uh, your co-host, about mm. the logo and how the logo doesn't really fit with anything else going on. By uh, the yeah. way, trivia fans, there is actually a real-life Transglobal Airways. It's a cargo airline based in uh, the Philippines. Oh, just so you know. Thank you, Wikipedia. I'm smelling a road trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really want to go. Does, does their logo look like that same lowercase TGA, or is it something different? Uh, didn't say. Yeah, it's got kind of that General Mills G. It, it, <laughs> I really don't like it. And they, it, have a, they have one plane, a Boeing 737. Ah, it's hmm. an upgrade, but the same size cockpit. Interesting. I bet the, I bet the, the company founder was a big fan of uh, airport. Gonna call it that. Everybody's gonna wear gold uh, stewardess outfits. <laughs> <laughs> those heavy overcoats, so popular in the Philippines. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, he's uh, so he's gonna give it up. He's gonna give up the plane. I would think that he want to get somebody. You know, he's a captain. I would think that there must be somebody else on duty besides the chief pilot. There must be like the assistant chief pilot or the district manager or something. Wouldn't you want to run this by like uh, uh, what's Gene Seberg's boss, mm. uh, played by? Clark Howitt. I'm wondering if he is the operations manager for TGA. I would think that you'd want to run this by somebody bigger than you are, rather than saying, "Oh, okay, you want it here, you take it." Yeah, I think Benson was just looking for any opportunity he could to get off that plane. At this point, he, you know, that lounge was waiting for him for a long time. Yeah, put up his nice cold toes and get them all warmed up in that fireplace, and that's right. Make a couple of phone calls, go into the. <laughs> Go into the commander's club and not leave himself in the executive lavatory. <laughs> a couple of Manhattans, everything will be just right with the world. Uh, 
Hmm. He has he has that kind of Judge Smalls uh, quality about him too. I'm, I'm picturing Ted Knight if you know back in the brown haired days. This guy could be like a brown haired Ted Knight. Hmm. He uh, he does play a good smarmy guy that you don't like. Uh, that's yeah. that's a hard thing to get across. Hmm. Um, but Joe has barely contained rage. I, I mean, oh. I guess it's because he 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 just squandered all that work that those guys did. Mm. And Joe's going to have to go out and get those miscreants out there and shovel more snow. I think that's uh, that's where Joe's head's at. Yeah, it looks like Joe has a bit of an anger management issue going yeah, on. Yeah, Joe's got to talk to him about getting his mind right. right. Uh, <laughs> now, it, now, there was something that I saw actually around the 31 second mark as the as the pilots start to exit. Do you notice that? The, uh, the door actually opens by itself, and you see this kind of mysterious gloved hand open the door. Oh, wait, Did I'm... they happen to know that they were coming? Oh, well, Who is that guy? That's, the, uh, that's actually the navigator. There's a guy, you, can't, you haven't been able to see him, but there's a navigator sitting right behind, or flight engineer, actually. He's sitting right behind the uh, co-pilot. The co-pilot there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you only see the two guys exit. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, yeah he's that barely the seen. But, yeah, that's the, guy, that's, the, that's the first guy through the door. You know, he just, like, mm. gets up and out. I don't know what he was doing. Hey, there. you know, four years of Juilliard, and there yeah. you go. <laughs> What'd you do today? I opened a door, and I walked out. Door? I had to carry an ashtray case. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to keep a, the jacket, though. I was in a scene with George Kennedy. Wow. <laughs> and the guy from The Swimmer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very thin-looking door. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, well, yeah, when they do get out in the... Uh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm seeing. I'm looking at uh, 31. Yeah, there's somebody from the outside opening the door for him. But how did they know that he was coming out? Unless <laughs> he paged them or something? I don't know what the. It did, it, they don't really have a a way to do that. Well, mm. I guess they heard some rumblings, and wanted to know what was going on. Mm. And you know, clever reuse of the same set. I mean, that's just the same 707. They just you know put, <laughs> put a different crew on it. It's like it's like when the Enterprise was getting fired on by the hood or something. You know. Uh, so clever reuse of uh, of, a, of a set. Mm. And th- that that guy Benson just wanted to do a parting shot with Burt Lancaster. Mm. Like, he, it, why he's saying that? It's not being a friend. It's like, well, I hope you got money because you know he's going to wreck it, and it's all your fault. Na 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 na. I think he's just he's in a kick the dog mood because mm. he's there. There goes the man that's to blame for all this, and uh, he's off the hook. But he thought he just purge himself of his last little bit of guilt and then he uh, mentions eight million dollars i, I yeah. looked that one up so that's about 50 million dollars today yep yeah wow. yikes mm-hmm. yeah and they're and it's not like tga doesn't actually own the plane they've probably uh purchased it through you know like chase manhattan or uh, marine mm-hmm. midland bank any of the uh the large new york banks of the 60s were major um investors in uh jet travel uh, mm. play, uh, companies like Northeast Airlines and National and uh, Allegheny, a lot of the a lot of the uh, the short range ones, uh, Republic. When they were all moving to Jet, they borrowed a lot of money from banks, and they got it paid back because Jet travel once once Jets became the common thing, uh, everybody wanted to fly in a Jet. Nobody wanted to see propellers anymore, and they were gone. The mm. Propeller, you know, uh, intercon- or transcontinental propeller flight. Dis- virtually disappeared uh, within five years of the introduction of the 707. When and, was that? Uh, the original Boeing 707 was introduced in uh, 1959, mm. and mm. by 19, I'd say 1965, 67, there were all jet fleets. 
that were you know people people would get on because they were you know there were nothing but jets and they wanted to get you know like Pan Am had massive massive jet purchases, American United, Continental, they were all uh, 707 pioneers. And uh, they couldn't make them fast enough. Somebody want you know, and then then they came out with the seven twenty sevens and the uh, you know the three engine jets, and they started building the jumbos in '66. They released the seven forty seven, and uh, you know they all they just kept doing is asking for more. So uh, a lot of money wrapped up in these uh, these early jets. And, what are they uh, up to now? Seven eight seven is that the latest one? Yeah, and yeah, and then they're they're renaming some of the earlier ones. The uh, the Boeing. Uh, 717 is actually the old MD-80. Uh, when they bought McDonnell Douglas, they just started back naming things. And then, you know, and that's just Boeing. We also have, you know, Airbus is making really great inroads with their uh, 7, uh, I'm sorry, their 7, their 3 series. The uh, 321s are very popular nowadays. So, mm. you know, lots of, lots of room, lots of, lots of room to put very tight uh, seats in. Mm. So you, the days of a 27-inch uh, seat pitch are long gone, but you know, it's, it's interesting seeing what's happening right here at the, at the time. This it really is a great time capsule. I'm just seeing what, what they were concerned about back then. You know, mm-hmm. that these are these are valuable commodities. I mean, they're you know one plane. If you lose that, that's a major piece of the fleet that they're going to lose. Yeah. So. You know, if if somebody ever wanted to do a mashup of airport and Star Wars, there's a perfect opportunity here. Because if you listen to the line from Darth Vader where he says to tear the ship apart until you found those plans, you could just <laughs> pop this line in right there. You know, yeah. oh, if he tears this ship apart, I hope you've got eight million to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that has to be done now. Uh, <laughs> write that down. Darth Vader. Okay, yes, yeah, no, I can, I can see it. It's uh, <laughs> have Mel turn to Joe and go, you know, what? you think a princess and a guy like me. Uh, uh, so it's amazing. And all George wants is a box of cigars. That's right. Yeah. He just wants a soggy cigar. Soggy cigar that he can uh, <laughs> yell at people with. Uh, he must have eaten a half a box in this entire movie while we're watching. <laughs> now, what would have happened if Petroni actually did end up tearing that plane apart? Who would have paid for it? What would have happened? I would have, well, I think Ackerman would have gone after him. They would have gotten lawsuits. Poor Mel would have, uh, I guess he would have been fired. Mm. They would have had to have... <laughs> That big airport that they were planning on building last week is probably off the, off the table at that point. And, and Joe would be working at some regional airport. Yeah, yeah, he'd be. He wouldn't be at up TWA. near the Canadian border. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he'd he'd go. Maybe that's yeah. In an alternate universe, that's that's why he's in Airport seventy five and stuff, and he winds up being a pilot uh, later on. Oh, the, yeah, he got the bug. Yeah, he, get, he gets promoted. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Cool. I mean, in real life, has that ever happened? Where where people bet the farm on a no, uh, where, where where somebody works their way up from maintenance to becoming a pilot? Uh, I'm sure there's people that yeah. I mean, I, when I used to work for British Aerospace, we had a lot of people from all walks of life that would uh, actually go in and pay for their own commercial pilot's license, uh, and they would take the whole you know all the courses and stuff. You can. You can take them as a night course. So if you, as long as you get your Part 135 commercial pilot's license, you can go work. So I guess if you get, uh, you know, a lot of these places had discounts that if you get, you can get a pilot's license through their flying clubs and stuff. So I'm, I'm sure that there have been people that worked in other um, areas before they became a, uh, a pilot. 
that, but most of the uh, at the time of these, most of these pilots were coming. They didn't have many jet pilots that were you know had had the experience. So most of these guys were coming out of like the Korean War and uh, moving from you know flying a B fifty two to flying a seven oh seven. So that, that's where that's where most of these guys go. When uh, earlier on in this uh, in this movie, we were listening to Dean Martin and uh, and Burt Lancaster talk about where they were working before in in World War Two and. Uh, Mel had been a, he'd been a pursuit, you know, he flew P-51s. So, Mustangs, yeah. Yeah, and the airlines didn't want a guy that flew pursuit planes because mm. that's not, you, know, you, you don't want to have the uh, the passengers feeling him doing, you know, snap rolls back and forth trying to land. <laughs> so they were hiring guys that flew bombers, flew cargo planes, flew Dakotas, that kind of stuff, you know, transports. And that's what Dean Martin did. Dean Martin had a steady hand on a big Dakota or something when he was mm. flying in World War II. So, and that's you know he wanted. That's why he wanted a nice, mighty long and mighty dry runway because he was used to putting down these big crates. <laughs> and uh, in the book, Mel Bakersfeld was kind of disappointed because he wanted to continue being a pilot, but no airline would hire him because he had the wrong background. So <laughs> he went into airline management or air, airport management. But it, it comes across. I mean, they they try to compress it in a lot of the script. They try to compress some of the uh, the descriptive information. But there's only so much exposition you can do on a character, mm. and uh, you know you just got to kind of pick it up from inference of why why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I think they did a really good job, though. This is a movie that I'd only seen really as of well a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I started okay. listening to your airport minute, and then uh, you know decided to go and. Go and watch it. I mean, really, I I'm a huge fan of of Airplane. I think yeah. I know that movie left and right, and so it was interesting just to see you know all the nuances that they brought up in in Airport and how that kind of inspired well after you Zuckers. after you watch uh, Airport, Airplane makes uh, even more sense and it's mm-hmm. even funnier. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the bit with the slapping the slapping the, the hysterical woman in the plane. And yes, stuff. It's like, oh yeah, that's where they came from. Even oh. the the woman who speaks jive. I mean, that's Kwanzaa yeah, right. basically. Right? Speak yeah. jive. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Billy can sit up here if he wants. <laughs> I'm gonna love. Yeah, ever watch a Gladiator movie? Uh, yes. Mark, Mark's next desired podcast is we're probably gonna wind up doing Airplane somewhere uh, along the way. Now, what, what was your first impression when you saw Airport? I, I mean, did it? Did it? I mean, I know it's dated and it has a glacial pace, but how did yeah. it feel when you were first watching it? Did it? Did it draw you in? Was it like, oh my what did God? You make of it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I listened to the first couple of minutes of your podcast, and I know that there was some talk that, oh, you know, people these days, you know, they're they're not used to these soap opera type style movies. But I really enjoyed it. I thought that the pace was good. I watched it with my wife and, you know, it, it had good character development. I thought that, um, you know, some of the stuff that was happening later in the film, uh, having to do with the actual disaster stuff, it, it was going in a place where I, I kind of had expectations of, stuff that was going to be a lot more intense than it turned out to be. I think that's just because I'm used to seeing stuff like, you know, the disaster stuff you see on Lost or yeah, any of these disaster like, movies now. Like yeah, like Denzel, like Denzel and Flight, you know, you're going like, to, oh, they're going to fly it upside down and not, you know, bang into the church or something. But there's a certain charm, charmingness about all of it in that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly a, a movie of its time, but it's, it's more realistic. I mean, if something like this were to happen, it would probably be like this, you know, and then, you know, there wouldn't be just bodies flying everywhere. You know, I mean, it, it would, it would be as we see it. And I thought that's kind of what made this film kind of neat. You know, it didn't need to have all that extra stuff. How did, how did your wife feel about it? She... she enjoyed it too. Yeah. She, she likes the character development and a lot of these things. And, 
there there certainly was uh, a lot of that all the little double entendres between uh between Vern and uh and uh well, what's her face uh, Vern and Gwen Gwen yeah you know, yeah like like that sort of thing you know talking about the pregnancy and all that and, um but but it was exciting she actually liked the music the most I I like to focus on music also on my own podcast and and I know that this one was uh, Alfred Newman yeah and, and uh, you know, just the sort of classic strings that you hear a lot, you know, the very intense rhythms, you know, it, it helps set the tone that this is a classic Hollywood film, even yeah. if it was done in 1970. Yeah. It, it, that, that beat, that driving, mm-hmm. that all the, the tambourines and things like that, it really drags you into the, I mean, it is sometimes it's a little bit over the top. I mean, the music that they use for Mrs. Quonset and stuff, that's mm-hmm. a little, little cutesy, but mm-hmm. I, it really, it really does set your set you in the mood for this kind of a film, and it's it's a it, it is a, a stylized bit. But um, I think it's something that you know it, it, it's interesting to to see how much things have changed since then. I, uh, you know, we're we're of an age where this is within our living memory, mm-hmm. and just you know all the little the little bits and pieces like what it was like getting on a plane before the TSA and how you know yeah, yeah when flying was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, just the, the when men know. wore hats. Yeah, hats. <laughs> yeah, guys in fedoras. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, with with the rash of all these movies that are being remade these days, you know, everything from Ben Hur to uh, well, even Big Trouble in Little China, they're going to be redoing yeah. that supposedly. Mm-hmm. I can well. see how a movie like this could be one day picked up and and you know made into a modern day version. You know, it, would, it would have to be a something. Sh- it would have to be a short, though, because Guerrero would <laughs> get stopped at security, <laughs> and that would be they beat him to a pulp, and that would be it. Well, it it would be interesting to figure out how you could get around all of this, just to you know, like make maybe Guerrero is a TSA agent, oh. and then he's you know he's under suspicion of stuff, but he has his TSA badge, and so he kind of like moves stuff through on his own, gets stuff on the other side of the. Hmm. Of the secure area, I probably shouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! How would you blow up a plane if you couldn't? Blow, you know? But <laughs> if uh, you know, if, if like he does that, and then you know, you could come up with a couple of different ways. That, that would be the that would be the story problem: is figuring out how could you do this movie mm-hmm. set nowadays and get the same characters where they need to go. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a remake of of Airport, just as long as they didn't, you know, just turn it into a, a Transformers movie. It, do, it doesn't need a lot of special effects. It really needs yeah. great character development. Mm-hmm. And then the other question is, is, would it sell? And how would you get, you know, people want to bank on movies that look like other movies. And this, you couldn't make an airport movie that looked like airport. And who would play the mains? Who would play Mel? Who would play Byrne? Hmm. Oh, my God. Well, Matt Damon's in there somewhere. <laughs> um, or uh, Danny Wahlberg. Or, Danny Wahlberg, you know, some. Maybe both the Wahlbergs would play. Mm-hmm. That's what you could do. You have the Wahlberg brothers in and have them playing Joe and Mel, and have them. Bro- and the Rock brothers. would be Petroni. <laughs> the <Yeah>. Rock. <laughs> well, he's supposed to be Jack Burton in the next uh, Big Trouble. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, I now I want to watch that movie. That'd be great. <laughs> now, have you? You're following uh, all the, the basically the Richter movies are coming out now. So there, um, I heard that Kevin Smith is going to be doing. Uh, uh, oh, Bonsai. Bonsai, yeah. Yeah, there, so. there, there's talk about that, uh, uh, a TV series at least. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. It, it would be interesting if they get that on like Netflix or something and not uh, not be held back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I'm trying to figure out who you would have for the Peter Weller role. And I heard that Peter Weller, they were, were going to have him in, but as the bad guy. And John right. Lithgow is another bad guy. So. Yeah, as the bad guys. Gee, I don't know. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, oh, well, we'll have to tune in later on that. Um, <laughs> but, well, well, these have been uh, fascinating minutes, Josh. Thanks so much for, for being a part of all this. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. Oh, Hope to have you on again uh, sometime, and uh, if not, if not this uh, airport, maybe an airport with a year after it, okay. and uh, we can discuss the uh, ins and outs of uh, of Karen Black's acting skills. So <laughs> <laughs> the excitement never ends, and I will I will apologize in advance if we make you watch it first. <laughs> have you have you seen any of the other airport movies? I don't know if you've seen any of the other uh, just synopses. No, I've I've got to watch them. Oh my gosh! Well, yes. Well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe hold off until like the day before because we would like to get your instant reaction on <laughs> on, uh, on seventy five. That's uh, <laughs> it's quite a film, <laughs> and we will be uh, we'll be picking that up in uh, twenty seventeen. Which if if somebody somebody out there in the deep future is probably going, oh gosh, well, this this is when they thought that making Airport seventy five's podcast was a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, yeah, good luck with uh, with uh, five minutes of uh, trouble. Yes, it, thank you. It's off to a great start. I've been listening to a couple of the episodes, and uh, it really is fascinating. I've I have done the part. The best thing that you can do in a podcast is where you're stuck in your car, uh, waiting for it to end because you you can't get out of the car because you want to hear how the rest of it's going. So <laughs> it's that good a podcast. Thank um, you. But uh, we will we will see you again sometime here, and uh, we'll also see you out there online. Uh, if any uh, uh, folks that are listening would like to uh, comment on this episode or any other episodes, we have many ways on uh, social media for you to find us. We are on Twitter at Airport Minute. We are on Facebook at both Airport Minute and the Airport Minute Commanders Club, where people get together and chat and have little sandwiches with the crust cut off. You can, you can off. find us by the fireplace. Yeah, exactly. And, and those astrolabes that are everywhere. <laughs> Uh, we are also at our big site, airportminute.com, where not only can you read about the episodes, we have s- summaries of every minute, but you can leave comments, and you can actually, if you haven't seen this movie, which if you're 55 minutes into this <laughs> into this podcast, I don't know why you're listening. Maybe not, they really like us. Yeah, we're, we're really that fascinating. Wow. <laughs> but really, you should watch the movie. So on the uh, right-hand side of every one of the episodes, you can buy direct from Amazon. We have uh, digital versions and hard copy versions. We've even got audiobooks where... I don't know if it's Jacqueline Bissett, but somebody probably famous is going to read that to you from a Kindle audiobook or one of those things. So that that's available for and sale. Don't forget the the these nuts are stale T-shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. Now pick up. You can. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. You're on. No pants. <laughs> yes, Marcus Rathbone, uh, right there on your chest. Yeah. Uh, so we have yeah we have a bunch of different. Probably by the time this is out, we're going to have a bunch more uh, T-shirts. They're available up in the shopping section if you go to. Uh, airportminute.com slash shop you can wear 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 your petroni with pride yeah or you can get the hoodie with the cease and desist letter and the universal oh, logo yeah. on the back really nice. it looks great with the globe and the word universal <laughs> it comes with a free pair of handcuffs angry angry Ooh. exclamation points and we said stop it now all caps so uh, uh Hopefully that won't happen, but we'll, yeah. we'll tune in tomorrow. <laughs> right. uh, but, yeah, but we do wish you will we'll tune in tomorrow for a minute uh, 56 already? Gosh, minute 56, where we will be discussing more of uh, how to destroy a 707 in the snow. Uh, un- but until tomorrow, uh, please, you know, please listen, listen to uh, five minutes of, uh, of trouble. Uh, Josh, thanks again for being on. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. We will see you all here uh, tomorrow. No, Monday. <laughs> Monday on the Airport Minute. Until then, good day. Good day. Bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.